are putting under the microscope the human excrement found in a cesspit in Herculaneum in southern Italy to itemise the diet of ordinary Romans as it went into and out of their digestive tracts. A lot of eggs and sea urchins are part of the answer. Roman history is always being rewritten, and always has been. In some ways we know more about ancient Rome than the Romans themselves did, Roman history, in other words, is a work in progress. This book is my contribution to that bigger project. It offers my version of why it matters. SPQR takes its title from another famous Roman catchphrase, Senatus Populusque Romanus, the Senate and people of Rome. It is driven by a personal curiosity about Roman history, by a conviction that a dialogue with ancient Rome is still well worth having, and by the question of how a tiny and very unremarkable little village in central Italy became so dominant a power over so much territory in three continents. This is a book about how Rome grew and sustained its position for so long, not about how it declined and fell, if indeed it ever did, in the sense that Gibbon imagined. There are many ways that histories of Rome might construct a fitting conclusion. Some have chosen the conversion of the Emperor Constantine to Christianity on his deathbed in 337 CE or the sack of the city in 410 CE by Alaric and his Visigoths. Mine ends with a culminating moment in 212 CE when the Emperor Caracalla took the step of making every single free inhabitant of the Roman Empire a full Roman citizen, eroding the difference between conqueror and conquered, and completing a process of expanding the rights and privileges of Roman citizenship that had started almost a thousand years earlier. SPQR is not, however, a simple work of admiration. There is much in the classical world, both Roman and Greek, to engage our interest and demand our attention. Our world would be immeasurably the poorer if we did not continue to interact with theirs. But admiration is a different thing. Happily, a child of my times, I bridle when I hear people talking of great Roman conquerors or even of Rome's great empire. I have tried to learn to see things from the other side, too. In fact, SPQR confronts some of the myths and half-truths about Rome with which I, like many, grew up. The Romans did not start out with a grand plan of world conquest. Although eventually they did parade their empire in terms of some manifest destiny, the motivations that originally lay behind their military expansion through the Mediterranean world and beyond are still one of history's great puzzles. In acquiring their empire, the Romans did not brutally trample over innocent peoples who were minding their own business in peaceable harmony until the legions appeared on the horizon. Roman victory was undoubtedly vicious. Julius Caesar's conquest of Gaul has not, unfairly, been compared to genocide and was criticised by Romans at the time in those terms. But Rome expanded into a world not of communities living at peace with one another, but of endemic violence, rival power bases backed up by military force. There was not really any alternative backing, and many empires. 
Most of Rome's enemies were as militaristic as the Romans, but for reasons I shall try to explain, they did not win. Rome was not simply the thuggish younger sibling of classical Greece, committed to engineering military efficiency and absolutism, whereas the Greeks preferred intellectual inquiry, theatre and democracy. It suited some Romans to pretend that was the case, and it has suited many modern historians to present the classical world in terms of a simple dichotomy between the two very different cultures. That is, as we shall see, misleading on both sides. The Greek city-states were as keen on winning battles as the Romans were, and most had little to do with the brief Athenian democratic experiment. Far from being unthinking advocates of imperial might, several Roman writers were the most powerful critics of imperial.